0: If you enjoy these podcasts, check out Enrico Signoretti's reports and blogs on gigaohm.com. They're about data storage and cloud computing, addressing all the topics covered in Voices in Data Storage. Hi, everybody. This is Voices in Data Storage, brought to you by GIGAM. And I'm your host, Enrique Signoretti. In this episode, we will talk about file systems, but not all file systems. We will focus on parallel and scale-out file system, HPC and big data workloads, as well as how this file system enable users to lift and shift their workloads to the cloud. My guest for this episode is Liran Zvibel, CEO and co-founder of Wake.io. Weka is a new entrant in the file system arena, but they claim better performance than local file systems, scalability, and the flexibility necessary to run both on-premises and in the cloud. And all of this while keeping pausing compliance. Maybe too good uh, to be true? I don't know. We will talk with uh, Liran, and we'll see um, what's your opinion on the cloud. And uh, we will get also some information about the architecture of the product and this company.
1: Hi, Liran. How are you today? Good. Thank you very much. And thanks for uh, having me here.
0: So uh, did I miss something in the introduction? Do you want to give us a little bit more of a background about you and Weka?
1: Uh, I think you actually uh, did a great introduction and uh, you were correct. Weka.io is the world's uh, fastest and also the most scalable file system. So we uh, solve two big issues. We make sure that shared file system ends up being faster than what people are used to be getting from a local file system, but also we solve all data scalability. So we have directories with billions of files and file system with trillions of files, which new workloads actually require. And you were certainly correct in the fact that we have the ability to run natively on-premises in the cloud and also lift and shift some workloads to the cloud and back or between uh, the customers, different on-premises data centers.
0: Well, wow, great. I want to cover all of it, but I want to start from the cloud perspective. Okay. Um, looks like that the file system sex again in the cloud, meaning that most of the providers start with block and or object storage, like Amazon AWS. At the beginning, it was EBS and S3, okay, somehow leaving the file system behind. But then with more and more organization moving data and workloads to the cloud, they had to face the reality and brought back the file system. So, if I take Amazon AWS as an example, they introduced EFS in 2016, if I'm not wrong, uh, ten years after S3, and lately VFX. So a series of managed, managed uh, services for Windows, SMB, and uh, Lustre. So in the same time frame. If we look back in uh, 2015, 2017, we saw a growing number of startups in this space, too. And this is not a coincidence, I think, because the uptick in the cloud adoption in the U.S. especially was 2014, 2015. I don't know if uh, you agree with uh, my analysis here, but uh, do you see a demand for a cloud-savvy file system or cloud deployments are just a consequence of broader strategy for your customers?
1: So we definitely see a requirement for cloud-based uh, file systems, and I think you were spot on. The reason uh, customers now require a file system in the cloud is that they are looking to move more and more of their traditional workloads to the cloud. So new kind of workloads were uh, designed to work with uh Object storage, or maybe from the other perspective, things that were able to be easily ported to object storage were initially moved to the cloud. But I think most org- organizations have reached the point where, uh, for them to keep pushing things to the cloud and even the cloud providers, they actually need uh, POSIX semantics because this is what applications use. And uh, if they want to move bigger workloads, they need uh, shared POSIX semantics, which is a shared file system. So now that the cloud is becoming less and less of a toy and more and more of an actual working tool, uh, this is what the real uh, enterprise organizations require.
0: So looking at, uh, not only at your customer, but more in general at organizations that are adopting file systems uh, in the cloud, what are the most common use cases that you you see?
1: So I think that basically everyone's looking at the cloud. People uh, require the cloud more when they have workloads that are elastic, meaning that they are more project-based rather than have the same amount of work throughout the year. Um, so a very strong uh, example of it is around uh, media and entertainment. They are very strongly project-based and then moving to the cloud makes sense because different projects have different amount of resource requirements. Uh, but then quite a lot of the traditional HPC works, uh, we have uh, oil and gas, we have geospatial, Uh, calculation because uh, these uh, kind of organizations wait for data to be collected. After it's collected they have an uptick of processing and when it's done they're waiting for the next amount of data to come in. So they don't run their uh, infrastructure 24-7 Um, Many chip design EDA customers are also the same. They have their tape-out dates on only a fraction of the year. Rest of the time, they need significantly less computational resources. So basically, any organization that doesn't need their high-performance compute running 24-7 throughout the year will benefit from only leveraging a high amount of resource when they need it. And this is where the cloud is perfect for.
0: Hmm. Uh, What is the driver for this user? I mean, uh, um, you know, your solution is fast and optimized, but uh, cloud providers have the ecosystem, an end-to-end solution at the end of the day. Uh, It is all about savings and getting the job done quicker, or is it more... uh, that uh, you know you can provide a, an hybrid company to this uh, uh, picture.
1: So again, you're actually spot on. Uh, users turn to us wh- when they have to have a hybrid IT. So they need to have their on-premises uh, users access the data most of the time and then leveraging the cloud for burst. And if you're using the cloud-native st- solution, you have to keep moving a lot of data each time you're doing it and it makes uh, the whole process prohibitive. But then looking at uh, how their work is actually being done, we're enabling these customers to get significantly higher efficiency of their infrastructure, both on-premises and in the cloud. Customers are now turning into... Uh, beefier and beefier servers. Uh, Intel adds more cores, Uh, obviously NVIDIA has GPUs, so single servers can do a lot more, and the traditional protocols such as NFS uh, just cannot catch up. So people use us for getting more efficiency uh, out of their infrastructures, and we're actually showing them that we give them 10 to 100 times faster time to result so actually calendar time
0: you get the result faster but also at the end of the day it, it translates in a financial advantage because what we in the past called the TCO that in the cloud is more difficult to because you are not owning anything but actually you, you spend less money on the cloud to, to run your jobs and uh, on another perspective, so last month I published a new report for GeekoM about file storage options for the cloud. We defined three categories in the report: traditional file system that are available also on the cloud, file system designed with cloud in mind, and file systems as a service. Okay, in the first two cases, the, the end user keeps control over the stack, meaning they have uh, uh, their own file system and they can do whatever they want. Uh, while in the latter, uh, is the ease of use that uh, wins. I put Weka in the second category, so file system design with cloud in mind. In your opinion, what are the characteristics that differentiate next generation parallel file system from traditional ones, meaning Lustre, Gluster, and all the others?
1: So actually, there are quite a lot of characteristics. And I, I want to give another note. Uh, we are fully integrated with AWS. We're on the marketplace. Uh, Launching a file system requires uh, automatically generating uh, cloud formation template and and just launching it. And uh, AWS even acknowledges it uh, by uh, um, calling us a competency partner. So they've identified a small number of, of their partners on the marketplace that they think are competency partner and we're one of them. Uh, So even AWS recognizes the fact that uh, we're not only designed for the cloud, we're close enough to be considered cloud native. Now there are a few main differences uh, that we have that the traditional solutions don't. Uh, One big thing is dynamic uh, elasticity. So the strong point of the cloud is the ability to dynamically add resources when you need them and then take them away. And this is something that we provide and uh, the other solutions don't. Actually, even some of the AWS native solutions don't have the elasticity that we provide. So you, you can take a snapshot, push uh, a cluster to S3 and then turn all the instances off. At that point in time, you don't pay anything. Uh, which you, if you're using the AWS native solutions, uh, you, you use as long as they keep your data. That's one thing. Uh, but even if you are running this, the system uh, 24-7, you can choose that uh, you spin up more resources uh, and then you get higher performance. And when you don't need that kind of performance anymore, you can shrink it back down. So full elasticity. Another big differentiation is uh, several AZ support. I think if you're just taking an on-premises uh, technology, you bolt it on the cloud, it will only have support for a single AZ. Cloud-native solution must uh, have the ability to run in a multi-AZ way. Uh, so if an AZ goes down, uh, your your service uh, doesn't get have an impact. Uh, that's a different thing. Another thing that customers now are looking for is actually uh, multi protocol. This is another thing you're getting uh, from the Weka IO solution that you're not getting from any other solution. So, with Weka IO, you're obviously getting our own POSIX interface that, as you've mentioned, is faster than the local file system, but we also support NFS and SMB. So, if you have some legacy instances running, let's say BSD, or uh, obviously Windows, uh, you can access the same kind of data uh, using SMB for Windows and NFS, and currently no other uh, cloud solution, the EFS, the VFX cluster, or, or the VFX Windows can actually support different kind of clients. Uh, and, yes. then, and then obviously, leveraging object storage for, um economic storage of vast amount of data and uh transparent cloud uh, provisioning and monitoring do,
0: do you see so um yeah. sorry uh, do, do you support uh, object storage as a second tier also or only for snapshots and backups
1: so we all we support an object storage for second tier also so we actually have a lot of customers that have a lot of data in the dozens of petabytes but they don't need to access the data at very high speed all the time so they can store only uh 10 to 20 percent or some extreme cases 5 to 20 percent of their data on uh on nvme and this is uh for extremely fast access and the rest of the data is actually stored on s3
0: and do you support also on-premises object stores or are you forced to, to go on uh, S3, Amazon S3, I mean? We,
1: we support all object storages that are compliant enough to S3. Uh, on-premises, we have successful installations with WDC Active Scales IBM's CloverSafe, uh, then Scality and Cloudian.
0: At Storage Fillet, you claim that your scale-out parallel file system is faster than local storage and you are repeating it uh, also uh, during this, uh, this episode. It's easy if I think about uh, the throughput because this is a parallel file system. But what about IOPS and latency? How do you do that?
1: So our ability to be faster than the local file system is basically down to the fact that uh, we have lower latency Uh, and we can offer higher IOPS. And the reason that is the case is that we are parallelizing at the 4K granularity uh, where a local file system is actually serial. So the the basic reason we are so much faster is that if you look at NVMe devices, uh, the amount of time it takes to write a 4K IO is about 30 microseconds. The amount of time it takes to read a 4K I.O. is about 100 microseconds. And moving 4K I.O. with our advanced uh, networking stack takes about a microsecond. So pushing 4K through the network has insignificant uh, relevance to how long the I.O. takes. But now if you're looking at NVMe devices, you know that the deeper the queue is, the longer the response time. So when I said 30 micros and 100 micros, I was actually talking about Q-depth one, when the local NVMe device is idling and just gives you one answer. But what really happens in a system that wants to get a lot of work done and a lot of low latency operations, you have a deeper queue than one. What we're doing, we're actually parallelizing your IOs to dozens and hundreds NVMe devices through the network, we already agreed that the network doesn't add an overhead. So on average, uh, your IOs get much reduced queue depth than what it would get from the local file system. So that is the reason that even for what traditionally has been the hardest IOs uh, for file system, the 4K IOs, uh, we, uh, we can spread them around the network, and uh, we consistently show customers that, you know, a local file system is limited uh, between 100 and 200,000 of IOs, and this is uh, down to what you can get from a single NVMe device, and with our file system, users can get millions of 4K IOs on a single server.
0: Okay. That's, uh, that's quite different than uh, what usually happens. So.
1: Right. We, we're actually the only file system to be re-architected and redesigned from the ground up for NVMe and fast networking. So if you go today uh, to a bookstore, if you can still find it, and you buy buying a computer science book that you're going to pick and you're going to go to where they're talking about the data structures for a file system, you're going to read about things that make sense from the perspective of a single controller and hard drives. You're going to get trees, you're going to get a description of directories that are uh, quite uh, central in their management. We have redesigned the file system uh, for infinite amount of controllers extremely low latency networking and NVMe. And this goes through our data structures, our uh, algorithms, our control uh, environment. So it's redesigned to take uh, the best uh, advantage of the hardware people now have on-premises or in the public cloud.
0: But uh, if I look at uh, an on-premises installation, you have uh, total control on the hardware, so the connections, the switches, the, the nodes, and so on. So you are pretty sure that uh, all the cluster is uh, very homogeneous. But if I go to the cloud, like on Amazon, and I keep mentioning Amazon because they are just the, uh, you know, the most common choice in the market, but, but actually um, it, it's for everybody. So you can have a cluster instance that somehow don't perform the same way or in other cases, uh, you know, the network uh, doesn't give you the same performance performance from node to node and so on. So, you know, you have these little inconsistencies. And uh, do you see uh, from your customers uh, issues on, on this? Or is it just that uh, you keep adding node or whatever to, to make it
1: work anyway? This is actually an excellent question. And this also distinguishes uh, traditional on-premises solutions that run on the cloud and solutions that were designed with the cloud in mind. So when you have the on-premises solution, the traditional ones, uh, even our previous companies, when you created storage, you have the assumption that the hardware works. If the hardware doesn't work, you emit events, and at some point, uh, some service person will come and will replace it to hardware that works 100% of the time. We have designed Waka.io with the notion that hardware almost works. So on-premises, it means that also if you have glitches, and I think on a uh, storage field day you were able to see that Chimon took down two servers and the client still got the same kind of performance. So even on-prem, if you have glitches, you're not going to have uh, service disruption, uh, but it's even stronger on the cloud and uh, where what you get is what people call the noisy neighbors. Uh, it's not that AWS provisioned you a weaker instance. Uh, you get slightly less work because other people are also utilizing your infrastructure, and they, and different people may be u- utilizing the infrastructure around you in a different way. What we have created uh, at Weka.io is very fine granularity of load balancing. So if you look at traditional storage, usually the performance you're getting out of your storage system is the slowest server multiplied by how many servers you have. Or if that vendor has done tremendous job being a previous generation storage solution, you get the average performance of the servers multiplied by how many servers you have. But still, if you have one really lousy one, it drags the whole average down we have re-architected our solution so the performance you get out of the cluster is the aggregate of all the resources that you get and we actually prove it to customers with when they're doubling their cluster size on premises or in the cloud they get twice the performance you double again you get twice the performance And as you've mentioned uh, on the cloud, we cannot do it by asking AWS nicely, hey, for this experiment, can you please give us the good instances? We get it by perfectly load balancing at a very, very granular level. So each server uh, provides all the uh, performance it can provide to the cluster. And on average, if you have twice the servers, you'll get twice the performance.
0: I have another question about uh, the architecture of the product. Um, Historically speaking, most scale-out file systems are quite complex bits. In in general terms, they have centralized uh, metadata management, local file system on each node, and these nodes store uh, data chunks. And uh, and they are usually good only for a limited set of workloads. Maybe sometimes they are designed for a specific workload. Like HDFS, for example, okay, uh, or uh, uh, or even uh, Lustre. Now you, you you can have a uh, uh, blocks that are not smaller than, uh, than so they are not good for IoT and they are not good for maybe storing uh, small files. In other cases and so on. You talked about four K blocks, okay? and um, how do you manage uh, then uh, you know workloads that need uh, very large. Uh, uh, files for example
1: so uh, again this is a great point point. Uh, one big difference is that we have a completely vertically integrated solution whereas the other solution have a block layer that needs to be resilient and a local file system and then a virtual file system placed on top of them and that's part of the reason of not being able to get low latency because Uh, You're running an I.O. through your uh, parallel file system, which is virtualized. Then it goes down to local file system. Then it goes down to block device. We have vertically integrated the file system and the protection. So we don't have a concept of a block device. uh, That's on the one hand. And then on the other hand, we don't have centralized anything because centralized something means that at some point you will stop scaling. So our metadata services are completely scale out and distributed like the IO services. Uh, So if you add more servers, you'll get more uh, metadata uh, powers as well and another important thing is that we have is very intelligent quality of service mechanisms like you would expect from uh high-end storage and our quality of service mechanism basically allow you to run mixed workloads uh in a way that makes sense for everyone because as you probably know even if you're buying block storage solutions and the expensive ones Uh, it's very difficult for you to get low-latency 4K IOs and high-throughput, let's say, one mega IOs. Out of block solutions that are easier to manage, with Weka IO, if you run uh, a job with 4K IOs, these IOs are going to come back with low latency. And when you run another job with one mega IOs or 20 mega IOs, you're going to get very high throughput. So we have extremely clever quality of service internal mechanisms in our queues to make sure that the things that you would expect to get in low latency or low latency and the thing that you would expect to get high throughput or high throughput. And our customers actually see that they can run mixed workloads and multiple workloads on the same cluster and it works well. Whereas you've mentioned for the traditional parallel file systems, you have to optimize the block sizes and other stuff So they are uh, truly optimized for one kind of of workload. And what happens in many cases for this kind of file system is that you're buying that project, you have that vendor's expert come in and optimize it for the customer uh, for the first uh, couple of three months, then they go away and it works okay for the customer if they're only running one specific form of workloads. But then something in the workload changes and then the performance drops significantly. Uh, we are with our kind of system, these kind of things are not going to happen because we adapt uh, to the different kinds of IOs that you run. So there there are no t- tunables for you to actually tune. Oh, this is
0: good. <laughs> I'm not good at tuning uh, this kind of stuff. Uh, when I tried, Uh, I usually get. uh, Yeah, it's always it's a tough job. I mean, uh, not that that bad, but uh, all the times that I also in my own lab try to 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 tune these kind of things, you you get uh, not not always very very uh, exceptional results, and there is a lot of work around these things.
1: Right, and even for the competition, I think there are a handful of people worldwide that can do it well. And we we have observed this uh, phenomenon and uh, made sure it doesn't happen with us.
0: Oh, very good. Uh, at the beginning we, we, we mentioned uh, a bunch of workload, uh, for example, EDA, media entertainment, but actually uh, you, you didn't mention uh, AI, for example, everybody mentions AI. Uh, you didn't, but uh, you know somehow it looks like that, this file system uh, is good for this kind of workload, especially because you can leverage a very huge data set because the scalability you have the 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 back end of the object store so you have a second tier to store uh, huge amounts of data and so on Uh, don't you have any customer looking at uh, your solution for this kind of workload? uh
1: definitely and uh i think i uh we, we talk so much about AI that we are now, by now, are taking it for granted. Uh, we have uh, a lot of the uh, autonomous uh, projects actually are running on us. Uh, some of them you can actually drive on the roads today with commercial products. Uh, we have uh, some uh, autonomous uh, planes that will run on us soon, so we have... Uh, quite a lot of the high-end companies that are doing the cutting edge uh, jobs in uh, machine learning uh, are leveraging us Uh, by the way machine learning is not just autonomous systems it goes all about uh, commerce and retail and uh, risk analysis and financials so all kinds of companies are moving to re- require machine learning and they realize that the kind of benefits they expected big data to give them uh, a decade ago and in in many senses, big data didn't provide uh, on all of the promises. Machine learning uh, actually does provide because you have a much stronger... Analysis tool and much stronger uh, mathematical tools to cover you. And as you write, the more data you have, the better. Uh, the better is your ability to generate fine-grained uh, results. So we have customers that collect a lot of data, and they also want to keep all of their data so they can come back to it and. Uh, see uh, if they're creating a slightly different model. How uh, how would their uh, how would the new model would work uh, with the previous kind of data on the one hand, but on the other hand, they have these huge GPU filled servers that gobble data at incredible speeds. And what we are showing for these customers is that. Uh, They must use us because previously they have been leveraging a local file system. And A, the local file system is not even fast enough to make sure all the GPUs are utilized. But the big problem with the local file system is that you're wasting the time caching. So you're wasting the time copying your data into the local file system. And you're wasting the time copying the results out. And uh, we are showing that we're about four or five times faster than the local file system, Uh, but customers are getting much bigger savings because it would have been four times faster if the GPUs would have been able to run 100% of the time with the local file system. But what they actually see that for long patches, they spend doing IOs and then these machines are idling and these machines are actually very expensive. Yeah, indeed.
0: So before wrapping up, I have a a couple of very simple questions. One is about the licensing and I hope that the licensing is uh, cloud friendly as well. And the other one is about uh, other providers. We talk all the time about Amazon, but uh, I guess you support also... um, Azure and, uh, and Google Cloud, right?
1: So we're, from the marketplace perspective, we're currently only on Amazon. So if you don't want to talk with us uh, and just provision a cluster uh, today, you can uh, only do it on Amazon. And then you go to the marketplace, you subscribe to our service, and it will auto-generate uh, a cloud formation for you. And you could be up and running uh, totally on your own. Uh, today if you want to run AI on the other clouds and obviously the most prominent ones are uh, Microsoft Azure and Google GCP you will have to talk with us and we uh, can help you do it. Okay and, then,
0: and what about the licensing?
1: So the licensing model uh, we have we are transitioning storage from being uh, an appliance that you buy and you have to keep rebuying every three or four years into a subscription model, and the reason behind it is that uh, we are geared towards NVMe devices that don't fail like hardware hard drives every three or four years, so you don't have to replace the appliance on the one hand, and we are scalable into a very, very large, uh, many thousands of servers, clusters. So you don't buy a pre-configured box. And when that one's full, you buy another one. And that original box will fail at some point. So we are transitioning into customers, just having a single large WECA cluster for all their needs. And they would buy um, a subscription, an annual subscription ov- over it. We are charging differently for the NVMe tier and for the uh, object tier and then as you increase it you're just paying the uh, small increments that you're increasing so we allow you to transform your on-premises infrastructure to be a lot more uh, public cloud-like.
0: Very good. I
1: think it's time
0: to wrap up and uh, uh, before leaving uh, I'd like to ask you Uh, Where we can find more information about Weka.io and uh, websites, Twitter handles, whatever can help our audience to uh, stay in touch with you.
1: So uh, that's a great question. Uh, We have our website at www.weka.io. Uh, then if you'd like to read the documentation, you can go to docs.waka.io And if you'd like to start an AWS uh, install, you can go to start.waka.io.
0: Very good. Uh, Liran. thank you very much for your time today. And uh, bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you very much. I really pl- appreciate you having me. And I had a great fun uh, recording this session with you.
0: If you enjoyed this episode of Voices in Data Storage, please check out the other ones. File-based storage systems for the cloud is the focus of a new report Enrico wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about how data storage is evolving in the cloud era, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on data-driven technologies, operations, and business strategies.